Well, good morning, church. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ryan, as Adam said, and I'm one of the ministers here at the Hills. And I want to take a moment to uh, welcome those of you joining us online and around the world. We're so glad that you decided to join us this morning for our time of uh, just family and, and worship. And I hope that you all had an awesome Thanksgiving and, and found some things to be thankful for in uh, what's been a difficult year for many of us. You know, if you are with us for the first time or you're joining us for the first time online and you guys were coming into this place expecting to see a small vanilla man named Rick who preaches straight fire. Uh, Surprise, you got a big chocolate man who hopes not to get fired for calling our senior pastor small and vanilla. But on the real, I am super proud of Rick and our senior executive pastor, David Meyer, and our shepherds. And they've done a phenomenal job of leading our church through a difficult year while making some very difficult decisions along the way. And I can only imagine that many of us have had to make some difficult decisions in our personal lives and within our sphere of influence, needless to say, but I'll say it anyway, 2020 has been a tough year for us all. You know, for me and my house, for most of 2020, y'all, if I'm being honest, we were not okay. You know, we were not okay. Uh, we're better now, but for most of the year, uh, I remember praying, Lord, will we ever be okay again? And a quick snapshot of my 2020, you know, obviously there's the sharing in uh, the pandemic experience, right? We've all had, um, you know, our share of difficulties as, as this pandemic has changed and altered our lives in so many different ways. You know, on a personal level, I turned 44 this year and some injuries that I sustained during my uh, football career are starting to catch up with me. And so I've seen my physical health decline a little bit. With that decline uh, has come some depression and, and uh, just moments of grieving and sadness as I've lost some uh, physical capabilities. You know, my wife and I, we, uh, Charity, we have experienced some teenage rebellion this year. And within that rebellion, uh, we discovered some mental health diagnoses. And if you've ever walked with uh, a family member through a mental health diagnosis, you know the complexities of that journey. But on top of everything else, the most pressing issue this year was my wife's health. Uh, For the first four months of 2020, I watched helplessly as my wife wrestled with uh, a mysterious illness. And I watched as her health declined right before my eyes. And she has been diagnosed now and she's better and on the road to recovery. But uh, my wife's health on top of everything else going on in our world. And uh, man, y'all, I got to a place where I was about to mentally break down. And I can only imagine what your 2020 has been like. And if this year has been difficult for you, I just want to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if it's been a difficult year. You know, communally, we obviously have shared in uh, the heaviness of this season, but I understand how some of you may have come into this place and some of you may, may be watching today and you feel like God has forgotten about you. And I just want to say this, that God has not abandoned you, nor has he forsaken you. you know, Psalm 94, 14, the psalmist reminds us that the Lord will not reject his people. He will not abandon his special possession. And the psalmist wrote this psalm when the people of Israel, God's people, they were not okay in church as we go through a season where we are not okay. God is present and he's wanting and waiting to walk with us through this difficult time and times to come. And so if you've come into this place today carrying any stress, depression, sadness, fatigue, worry, doubt, fear, or anxiety, I have some good news for you. You're in the right place. 
Because God sees you. He loves you. And he cares about your mental wellness. But that's not what the world wants us to believe. You see, the world has generally misunderstood mental wellness. And mental health diagnosis often get dismissed as non-medical issues. And when you accompany this fact with much of the world misunderstanding the character, the true character of God, you can see why we might overlook the holistic healing that God offers us all through Jesus Christ. And I don't have time today to unpack this topic from a clinical point of view, but what I hope for is that today we'll open our hearts and our minds to this truth, that the stewardship of our bodies, souls, and spirits is important to God, and church, it needs to be important to us. And that stewardship includes the care of our mental health. But to care, we must first be aware of just how serious mental illness is and how we are all susceptible to it. You know, my rookie year uh, in the NFL, uh, I was drafted by the Jets, and I had the pleasure of playing with one of my favorite NFL players, linebacker Brian Cox. Uh, Brian grew up uh, close to my hometown, so he was a, a local legend. And, and so I watched Brian's college career, and then I watched him in the NFL. Well, now as his teammate, whenever we, Brian was on the field and I was on the sideline, I would go into fanboy mode, which was completely inappropriate as a pro, but I love watching Brian play. One Sunday, we were down in Miami playing the Dolphins, and Brian was having a remarkable game, just destroying the Dolphins' offense. And so we run a blitz on a critical play right before halftime, and Brian beats the Dolphins' offensive tackle, and he's headed to the quarterback to sack him. And the tackle obviously wants to do his job. He doesn't want to get his quarterback hit, and so he swings around, and he leg whips Brian, tripping him to the ground, which is completely illegal. Brian falls to the ground, grabbing his shin. He's screaming, my leg, my leg. And so the trainers run out help Brian up, help him off the field. They sit him down on the bench. And our team doctor comes over and he begins to examine Brian. And I lean in because my hero's on the bench hurting. And the team doctor said, Brian, we think you may have fractured your leg. We need to take you back to the locker room to get x-rays. And Brian looks at him and he says, nope, tape it up. And I'm standing, I'm sitting there thinking, what, Brian, what do you mean tape it up? You don't tape up a broken leg. You cast a broken leg, but you don't tape it up. But Brian was persistent. And he looked at the team uh, doctor and trainers and he said, tape it up, doc. I'm playing. And so they taped it up. And Brian continued to play on what was later confirmed as a fractured leg. Anyway, late in the fourth quarter, game's pretty tight. Miami's driving down the field to win the game. And we run the same blitz against the same offensive tackle with Brian. And this time, Brian beats him clean. He gets to the quarterback. Strip sack, fumble. We win the game. We recover the ball and we win the game. And I'm blown away with Brian's heroics in the moment that I walk away believing that it was not okay to not be okay. And so like Brian, I played through everything and I have the stool up here because again, the decline in my physical health, man, I just pushed injuries down. I ignored them, I taped it up and I carried that falsehood and that false system of beliefs right into my everyday life. And so when life would leg with me, I would just tape it up and I'd press emotions down and trauma down and, and I just ignore them. And then one day when those emotional traumas and injuries weren't, seem to, weren't seeming to get better, I found myself depressed, standing in my closet, gun in hand, contemplating suicide. And I wish I had time to unpack the fullness of my testimony, but it was in that moment that I surrendered my life by placing my faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right in that closet. Yeah. 
And now, listen, I don't want to highlight the decision that I made in that moment, but what I do want to highlight is the decision that God made long before I stepped into that moment. You see, when I surrendered my life to Christ, the Holy Spirit revealed this truth to me, that, that God is aware of our struggles with mental wellness, and he provides healing through Jesus Christ. But this isn't always the church that we communicate, or the, the, the message that we communicate through the church. Retired NFL player, pastor, and mental wellness advocate, Dr. Derwin Gray, had this to say about mental wellness and the Christian faith. Dr. Gray said that uh, there's so much shame and guilt attached to mental illness, and the stigma keeps people stuck and sick. Just as Jesus was a great healer, we as Christians need to find or need to work to find healing solutions for mental illness. And so, church, if you find yourself in a place where you feel stuck and sick, and dealing with emotional wounds and traumas that you just can't seem to work through, I'm going to tell you this, that uh, caring for and stewarding our mental wellness is the best thing that we can do for self and the people that we love most. You see, as followers of Christ, our Christian faith provides us with a holistic view of self. Our understanding of how God has created us as both spiritual and non-spiritual beings It's the entry point into us understanding how our faith in Jesus Christ can help bring healing and freedom in the area of mental illness. And so today, I want to encourage us all with a few ways that we, as God's people, his special possession, can best steward our mental wellness through our faith in Jesus Christ. And so the first thing is that we need to believe that the gospel tells us that it's okay not to be okay. And I want to turn to the Apostle Paul, a man that wrote most of the New Testament of our Bibles. And Paul affirms this truth that when he writes in Romans 5, 6, that when we were utterly helpless or when we were not okay, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. And listen, if you don't know the story of Jesus Christ, y'all, this is good news. right? You see, God loved the world. He loved us, his creation, so much that he sent his son, Jesus, into our broken world, our fallen world, to die for us sinners. But to fully understand how this is good news, we first have to understand why sin is such bad news. You see, the Christian faith is built on this foundational truth, that God created this world and created us human beings, again, his special possession, in a state of being so much more than just okay. You see, when we read in Genesis chapter 1 in the front of our Bibles, there's a story of creation. and We learn that God first created the world and everything we as human beings needed to sustain life. And then he placed us in creation. And he didn't say, man, die. No, God said, this is very good, that we are very good. And that simple statement is a robust declaration that God spoke over humanity and all of creation. And so let's pick the story up after God has completed creating the natural world around us, and then, again, he's in the process of creating us as human beings and adding us to creation. And so we're going to pick this story up in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, both male and female. He created them. Verse 28, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and govern it. So, guys, 
We were created to reflect God in this world. We are his creation. Uh, He's a creator that wants us to reflect the best qualities of who he is and what he is and what he has to offer in this world. And he created us with intentionality and identity, right? And, and, And so with purpose. And then he said, man, consider them to be blessed. This is my best work. And so he invited us to co-labor with him, to partner with him in this world, to steward the world, and to steward each other. And so then in verse 31, we learn that God looked over everything that he made, and he said that it was very good. Again, there's that robust declaration. Theologian and one of my favorite pastors, Dr. Scott McKnight, had this to say about God's declaration of the goodness of his creation. Dr. McKnight wrote these words. He said, when all the intricate harmonies are formed, God's glory echoes through all of creation. Very good, very well done, perfect harmony. What a masterpiece, y'all. And we are part of that masterpiece. And for the saints in the house, we know that the Bible says that we are God's masterpiece. And so in Genesis 1, and if you guys want to continue to read in Genesis 2, we learn that we are created to exist in perfect harmony with God, each other, and all of creation. But then we turn to Genesis 3. Things change, and we witness what's called the fall of humanity. And this is where sin enters the world, and that harmony between God and humanity is broken. And regardless of your faith background, uh, I'm only to assume that most of us have heard uh, the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But what we may not have heard is, is this, is that the first human beings didn't make a decision in the garden to behave badly. No, it's about the first human beings making a decision to exist badly. You see, in the garden, when manipulated by the serpent to take and eat from the uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam and Eve in that moment rejected God's rule and chose to be self-ruled. Instead of living dependent upon God, their life source, they chose independence from God and chose to live dependent upon self. And I don't know about y'all, but Ryan has lived a portion of my life dependent on me. And y'all, it didn't work out really well. I ended up in my closet, gun in hand, contemplating suicide. And so in this moment, again, Adam and Eve broke the perfect harmony between God and man. And now we, as descendants of the first man and woman, Their brokenness shows up in every aspect of our lives, and this includes our mental wellness. And so this is bad news. Because of sin, we enter into this world separated from God relationally and separated from God, our source of life. And y'all, we are not okay. But here's why the testimony of Jesus Christ is such good news Because God was not okay with leaving our world in a state of not being okay. And so he had Jesus, his son, leave a perfect world and enter into our imperfect world so that he could experience life the way that we did. And this is the beauty of the gospel and the life and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Because while Jesus was in this world experiencing life, going through the same things that we go through, he did something that we couldn't do. Y'all, he never sinned, meaning he never broke relational connectivity with the Father. He stayed connected to his life source. Unlike Adam, Christ chose dependency. And because of Christ, we can now choose dependency too. Paul affirms this 
truth in Romans 5, verse 17 through 18, when Paul wrote these words, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin, death, mental illness through this one man, Jesus Christ. Verse 18, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings right relationship with God and new life for us all. Church, we've got two choices, right? We can either choose to remain in Adam or we can choose to live in Christ. And it really is a matter of life or death. You see, in Christ, we no longer have to live a tape-it-up mentality, right? And play through all the trauma and the pain and stuff it down and just ignore it. We can now live victorious in the salvation that Jesus offers us. And so now we can give it up to Christ. Let's listen to the words of Jesus as he affirms this truth, his own testimony, that it's okay not to be okay. In Matthew 9, verses 12 and 13, Jesus said that healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do, for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, Jesus said this, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Now, Jesus came for the sick, the lame, the lost, and for those of us struggling with our mental wellness. And so let's cut the tape and allow God's gift of salvation through Jesus Christ to be the entry point in us caring for our mental wellness. And so while the gospel tells us that it's okay not to be okay, God's design tells us that it's not okay to not be okay alone. You see, we are made to, to love and to be loved, to serve and to be, and, and to be served. And God's design for those of us who are in Christ, his desire is that we become one, not only with him, but one with each other. And this is best lived out through a lifestyle of discipleship. You see, Christian discipleship offers the love, the support, accountability, and the prayer that we need to help us steward our mental health, wellness well. And I found having a Paul, a Barnabas, and Timothy in my life is the best way to live out this truth. And these are men from the Bible, and, and, and they have testimonies that help us understand, again, what does it mean to flesh out being a disciple of Jesus Christ? What does it mean to be a disciple in this world and allow Jesus Christ to work through people, to work through us, and, and we serve each other in our lives? And so if you, if you ever read about uh, this brother Paul, if you don't know Paul, Paul is, is the type of character that's a mentor in your life. Right? And Barnabas is a person or people that we do life with. He's a peer. And Timothy are people that we mentor. And so, again, if we are going to live out this truth, we all need to have a Paul in our lives. And these two men on the screen are, are Pauls in my life. They were men that came into my life long before uh, that closet moment. God knew where I was headed. And so when I came out of the closet deciding to surrender my life and put my faith in Jesus Christ, I stepped right into these men's arms. The white brother on the screen, he's one of our elders. I met him years before I was even considered to come on staff here at the church. I met him at the gym one day. He was wearing an NFL hat, faking it. And I walked across the gym. 
And I said, hey, did you play for the NFL? And he got scared. And he was like, no, somebody gave me this hat. Don't hurt me. So we struck up a, a great friendship. But man, these men are people who had been where I was going. And they were able to speak into my life from a place of godly wisdom, lived experienced, and a lived mature relationship with God. They encouraged me and they shared with me how God brought them through difficult situations as husbands and fathers, and he would do the same for me. And while our Pauls are great, we also need Barnabas's, right? These are a few of my best friends and my community group here at the Hills, right? These are people, companions, peers, who are in the same season of life that we're in, and they can join us on our current journey, and God will use these people to provide encouragement and accountability along the way. And finally, we need to have a Timothy, right? And I will introduce you guys to one of the Timothys in my life, but we need to be somebody's Paul, right? We need to reflect on seasons past and, and, and reflect on the way that God has moved in our lives and help other people understand, hey, God will do the same for you. And so I want to encourage you all to evaluate the relationships in your lives. Who are your Pauls? Who are your Barnabas? Who are your Timothys? And in your time of need, lean into these relationships, lean into these people, and let God use those people to help you steward your mental wellness and do so much more. And when the people that we love and the people that love us aren't quite enough, you know, we need to know that sometimes stewarding our mental wellness takes a pro. It takes a pro. This year, when my life got to be too heavy, I had to seek the help of a mental health care professional. And this brother on the screen is my mental health care pro in this season of life. His name's Mark DeYoung. He's a member here at our church. And while seeing Mark, I still connected with God in my private time. I did, I worshiped, I read the word, I journaled, I prayed. I still connected with my Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy. But there was a point where I needed someone who could help me go deeper and help me unpack the emotions that I was dealing with and help me properly process those emotions because stewarding my mental health was important to me for the people that I love and for myself. And so if you don't have a mental health care pro in your life and you guys are in need of some help, you need to talk with someone, I want to encourage you to connect with our counseling ministry here at the Hills. Their information's on the screen. You can go to this website. There's plenty of resources on this website. And you can actually request an appointment with one of our counselors who are waiting to stand by, to speak with you, to pray with you, and just to love on you on behalf of God. And so I'm going to encourage you guys to use this resource, to use this ministry. Well, as promised, I want to introduce you guys to a Timothy in my life. This brother, his name's Rod Harris. And uh, Rod's an Army combat vet who has spoken openly about the complexities of his journey in stewarding his mental wellness. I want you guys to take a few minutes and check out Rod's story. 
My name is Rod Harris. I'm a 39-year-old uh, U.S. Army combat vet. Uh, I served in Iraq and I did um, force protection. So it's a joint op mission and I worked with the Air Force. So, and there's, there's two different types of force protection. Force protection, most people see it as the people at the front gate who checking IDs when you're coming in. That was not the luxury I had. I was on a wire guarding 21 miles of wire. 12 hour shifts, 12 hours on, 12 hours off, seven days a week. Um, and my job is to protect soldiers. My job is I'm the first and the last defense um, while these soldiers sleeping and doing whatever else they got to do. It's a very high anxiety job where you're constantly on watch and you're the person that has to guard people. Halfway through my deployment is when I seen something was wrong. I was in college prior to me going to Iraq. So coming back, I was trying to finish. And immediately, once I started getting in classes and back around normal life, I just seen, some, I, I had a problem. I knew I had a problem. Upon returning, you have to go to the VA hospital. I went to the VA hospital. They diagnosed me with PTSD. My mom, when I, when I first got diagnosed, it was like, hey baby, we're gonna pray to God and we're gonna just pray it away. And man, I would get frustrated the next day when I still got PTSD, you know what I'm saying? And it, it, and it was just, it was just messing with me so much. And then just one day I was just literally in my word and I ran into, uh, I was reading uh, 2 Corinthians 12, uh, seven through 10. And I'm gonna just try to run through it real quick. But uh, it says, because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan angels did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, he told me my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into his own in your weakness and uh and every day man it's a it's a it's a constant fight it's it's like having this invisible this visible thing that nobody can see you're fighting and i find myself weak every day but in the same sentence though i find myself strong every day and growing stronger because where i'm weak i know he makes me strong when I think of people who aren't saved, they're struggling with mental health, it takes me back to when I wasn't saved. And my heart hurts for them. Because I know you're probably just trying to, man, you're just going through the motions, man, and you're just trying everything to heal yourself, but you cannot heal yourself. You're gonna need somebody, man, you know. If going to a counselor is too much, man, just try God. Just try him. He, he, God is, he's the same God and he is in the, the try me business. He wants you to try him. God wants you to try him, man, when you have nothing else. And having PTSD and mental health is one of those situations where you have nothing else, man. Just try God. That's all I can say. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Y'all. I know what it's like to and fight to fight a battle that you can't see. And, and there's an enemy in that battle that used real weapons of warfare in my personal life called pornography addiction, anxiety, fear, depression, and trauma. We don't have to be a soldier to experience trauma in our lives. 
This year has been a traumatic year for many of us in this room and listening to this message today. And so when I realized that I couldn't fight this battle alone, y'all, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and I tried God. And salvation came in the form of people, pastors, mental health care pros. God used these folks to bring about healing and restoration in areas of my life that I was broken, experiencing a lot of pain and death. So I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to invite our prayer team to go ahead and take their places around the room. And uh, I want to invite you guys. And if you've been walking with Jesus for a long time and you're fighting this same battle and you're tired of fighting alone, I want to invite you, as my brother Rod said, try God. Or maybe you're fighting a battle and for the first time you're considering placing your faith in Jesus Christ for help. As Rod said, try God. Regardless of where you are today, if you came into this place and you're not okay, try God. Family, God wants you to understand that it's okay not to be okay. But it's not okay to believe that you have to struggle alone. And so again, if you're online and you need to speak with somebody, put it in the chat. Request help in the chat box or click the prayer request button at the top of your screen. And if you're in this room today, we've got prayer partners around the room waiting to connect with you and take you back into this prayer room to my right. And they're here, they're shepherds, to pray over your emotional and spiritual needs. And so I just want to invite whoever needs help in this season of life, come and try God. Let us pray. Oh, Father, God, I'm so grateful to have this time with my brothers and sisters in this place, Lord. And I can't imagine what this year has been like for many people in this room. I can't imagine what people walked into this place carrying today, Lord. But I just want them to remember that, that you are a God who is in the try me business. And God, the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ, tells us that it's okay not to be Okay, and so Father, whoever needs to come, have them step up boldly and bring their pain, bring their sorrow, bring their worry, their fatigue, their anxiety, their doubt, their fears, bring them to you, God, and, and try you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray, amen.